Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Yeah, Joel's on it. We'll get you guys there. So, a few years ago, this may be four or five years ago, I uh, used to work south of Pekin. I was driving home on the Manitou Blacktop Road, and there's a lot of grain trucks on those roads, right? And I'm following kind of one of those old school grain trucks, like not the semi-truck style, you know, that they use, but the, the old school, the ones I grew up with that I got to drive when I was 12 on my grandpa's farm. And it's got like the little window in the back thing that slides up to release the grain. And that was just cracked just a little bit. And so these pieces of grain, these seeds were, were bouncing, the like, like little tiny dribble out of the truck, right, just bouncing on the Manitou blacktop and then wherever. And in that moment, I, I was like, whoa, this is totally the picture of the parable that Jesus told about the farmer and the seed. And I began thinking, you know, some of that seed's going to stay on the highway and it's just going to, it's not going to go anywhere. But maybe one of those seeds has a chance. Maybe just one of them. If like one of them could get in a ditch or, or get transferred on a car wheel somewhere to some good soil, it's got a chance. We're going to talk about seeds tonight. Here's the, here's the story, the parable that Jesus told that flashed in my mind in that moment when I saw that truck. It's from Matthew 13. And he said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30 60, and even a hundred times as much had been planted. Anyone, that's you and me, with ears to hear, should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is why I use parables. For they look, but they don't really see. He's quoting Isaiah. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And then he says this, but blessed are your eyes. Because they see. Blessed are your ears because they hear. And I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, Church 214, but they didn't see it. They long to hear what you hear, Church 214, but they didn't hear it. 
Now listen, Jesus says, to the explanation of the parable of the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message of, of the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one, you know you have an enemy, right? Then the evil one comes away and snatches the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but because they don't have deep roots. you got to develop a root system. Because they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but, are all, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. But the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word, and that produces a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times what has been planted. I think about that picture of what I saw that day a lot, of those seeds dribbling out of the truck. And I wonder what seed, what field, what rocky ground, what the evil one is trying to snatch away is in my heart. Won't you stand up for a second? I want to declare this over all of us. Just, just stretch out your hands to receive this, okay? This is truth. Father, we say this is good soil. These hearts, Church 214, this, this family, this group of apostles, this is good, fertile soil. And we say, blessed are these eyes because they can see. Blessed are these ears because they can hear. Thank you, God, that you have given us the mysteries of your kingdom. I thank you for good soil. Thank you for seed that lasts. Thank you for your word that bears much fruit. Thank you that it does not return void, and it will not return void in these hearts and these lives. We're ready to receive your word tonight, Father. May it be planted in good soil. Remove all distractions from our heart and mind. We rebuke the enemy in your name. He does not have any authority here in this place. Any spirit that's coming against it, we cut off right now in the name of Jesus Christ that is not welcome here. Only the Holy Spirit of God is welcome in this place. So thank you, God, for good soil. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. And take your seats. Blessed are your eyes because they see. I love that. Blessed are your ears because they hear. So I've told this story before, but I want to tell it again because it's important. Um, almost two years ago now, it was, it was August two years ago, and um, <clears throat> we were celebrating Bubby's birthday at, uh, at Heidi, Kim and Heidi's house. So all the family is there. And I walk in, and I love this story because your grandpa's in this story. He just passed away a few months ago. And I walk into the house, and I'm greeting everyone, and I walk over to, to Grandpa Candler, Heather and Heidi's grandpa, Isaac's grandpa, your dad, mom. I walk over to him, and he hands me this bag of barley seed. 
And I'm just being polite. I'm like, what? I'm thinking, what in the world is this? And he goes, <laughs> I, I mean, this is this, how the conversation started. He goes, son, we talked about this in Sunday school. Ruth and Boaz, and they're, you know, Boaz is leaving some, some grain for Ruth to harvest. And here's the barley seed. You know, thanks, Grandpa. That's awesome, Grandpa. And I promptly put the bag of barley seeds by Heidi's fridge and forgot all about it. And, to the next, and I think the next day, or two days later, she's like, does anybody know where these seeds came from? Are they important? I actually wished I had saved them. So the very next day, I'm driving home from work, and I'm driving across the Shade Loman Bridge in Pekin from the Crevecourt, East Peoria side, Pekin side towards Peoria. And every time I drive this bridge, I, I think of this, because it was so, so profound, but God spoke to me. And I'm driving home, and I literally, out loud, I said, God, what are you doing in your church? And I remember, this is two years ago. What are you doing in your church? And immediately, I heard in my spirit, and he said, I'm winnowing. And winnowing is not a word that I tend to use very often. It's one of the reasons I knew it was God speaking to me. He said, and, and Grandpa had not used the word winnowing the night before. He said, I'm winnowing my bride. And I said, okay. And that marked me. And we are in, we've been going through a winnowing season, have we not? And what's in your heart is either going to produce good seed or it's going to be you're holding on to useless chaff that should be tossed away. Jesus, well, actually John the Baptist, his cousin, said this of Jesus in Matthew 3. He said, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, nor stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law, the word of God, the seed of God, and who meditates on that law, that seed, that word, when day and night. You know how important that is to be thinking about getting the word of God into your heart? as you fall asleep, so important. Joshua says, you, you do that and you'll prosper. You want to have success in your life? Do that. Yeah. Period. Game changer. It's over. Yeah. Psalm 1 verse 3, that person who does that is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not weather. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. We're going to take what seems like a hard right turn here, but it's not. Um, a few months ago, God told me to read, reread the story of David. So I started with you know, Samuel in, in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. And as we were talking about this series, I came across this story, and I'm like, wow, this is for us in this winnowing season. But I'm actually going to read the story out of 1 Chronicles 21, so if you want to follow along, that would be awesome, or you can just listen to me, either way. 
First verse, First Chronicles 21 says, Satan rose up against Israel. You have an enemy. He's rising up against you. Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census of the people of Israel. Now you say, okay, what's wrong with that? There's nothing inherently wrong with counting people. But the reason David was doing it is he was counting how many warriors he had to see if he could win a battle, to see how mighty he was instead of trusting God. So that's why it was a problem. It's another reason why we don't count people in this church. Because our measure of success, now don't get me wrong, every single person that comes in here is so valuable. I want these seats to be filled. They will be. We'll have two services pretty soon. Guarantee you. But we don't, that's not our measure of success. Our measure of success will always be the presence of God and the freedom that he brings. That is success. All right, we better get to the second verse here. So David said to Joab, who was his general, and the commanders of the army, take a census of all the people of Israel from Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north and bring me a report so that I might know how many there are. But Joab replied, I love this, this is great. He goes, may the Lord increase the number of his people a hundred times over, O king. But why, my lord the king, do you want to do this? Because he knew, Joab knew. Are they not all your service? Why must you cause Israel to sin? Joab knew what was going on in David's heart. But the king insisted that they take the census. This is why, you know, this is another reason why it's good to have wise counsel around you. Wise, godly counsel. You're going through something in your life? Man, find somebody who is meditating on the word of God day and night. If you're not, but find that person and check with them. Ask them. So Joab traveled around because the king insisted they take the census, and he, he traveled through all of Israel to count the people. Then he returned to Jerusalem and reported the number of people to David. There were 1.1 million warriors in all of Israel who could handle a sword, and 470,000 in Judah. But Joab did not include the tribes of Levi and Benjamin in the census because he was so distressed at what the king had made him do. God was very displeased with the census. And he punished Israel for it. David's sin, Israel gets the entire punishment. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt for doing this foolish thing. Then the Lord spoke to Gad, who was David's prophet. This is the message from, from God that Gad had for David. Go and say to David, God said, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments, and I will inflict it on you. <laughs> have you ever, <laughs> in your childhood, have you ever had your parents like be like, um, actually, it's not just going to be this. You get to choose the punishment. That's way worse than them just deciding it for you, right? Can I get an amen? So God's like, or maybe you haven't done that as a parent. Maybe you should start. Right? God did it. I mean, probably works. So God says, you've got three choices. You choose the punishment. Yikes. You can choose three years of famine. No thanks. Three months of destruction by the sword of your enemies. No thanks. 
or three days of severe plague as the angel of the Lord brings devastation throughout the land of Israel. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough choice. That's a rough one. Decide what answer I should give to the Lord who sent me, Gad said. And David said, I'm in a desperate situation. Yes, you are, buddy. But let me, let's do this. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Even in his sin, he has so much wisdom. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. He's reminding God of his mercy. <laughs> but don't let me fall into human hands. So in other words, he wasn't going to take the enemies routing him for three months. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel, and 70,000 people died as a result. God takes heart condition very seriously. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. What? His holy, most precious city. He sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. This is crazy stuff. And just as the angel was preparing to destroy it, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop. That is enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. David looked up and he saw the angel of the Lord. Picture this. David looks up, he sees the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with a sword drawn. That's not a good day. Not if you're being punished. With his sword drawn, reaching out over Jerusalem. So David and the leaders of Israel put on burlap to show their deep distress and fell face down on the ground. And David said to God, I am the one who called for the census. I am the one who sinned and done wrong. But these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? O oh Lord, my God, let your anger fall against me and my family, but do not destroy your people. Then the angel of the Lord told Gad to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him through Gad. Aruna, who was busy threshing wheat at the time, I love this. Here's a guy, there's 70,000 people dead. You know, COVID's raging through the whole country. And here's the guy, he's working in his fields. He's not hiding, he's not isolating, he's, he's just doing his thing, doing his work. And he's, he's just threshing his wheat, thinking it's going to be a normal day other than the plague going on, when he turns and sees his king and the angel. His four sons who were with him ran away and hid. Yep. But when Aruna saw David approaching, he left his threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. And here's where I want to camp out. David said to Aruna, let me buy this threshing floor from you for its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my Lord, my king, and use it as you wish, Aruna said to David. I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings and the threshing boards for wood to build a fire on your altar and the wheat for a grain offering. I will give it all to you. But the king said to Aruna, No, I will certainly buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, 
which cost me nothing. So David purchased the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built an altar to the Lord there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was moved to compassion by David's prayer for the land, and the plague was held back from Israel. In the First Chronicles version, it says, when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering on the altar. <laughs> That's incredible. Then the Lord spoke to the angel who was over Jerusalem, who put his sword back in his sheath. See, the condition of David's heart changed and moved God's heart. David said, I will not offer offerings to my Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. I won't do it. I have to buy it from you for a price. See, you're all in this room tonight because you're Christ followers. At least most of you are. I don't know every single heart in this place. But the majority of you are in this place on a Sunday night because you're disciples of Jesus Christ. Being a follower of Jesus comes at a price. A very high price. There must be a price paid. There's a cost in following Jesus. He paid the highest price for you. He took your pain, your punishment, what should have been, that should have been you on the cross. And he paid everything for you. He's not asking for part of your life. He's not asking for a little bit of your heart. He's asking for everything. Everything. This church will never be about casual Christianity. This will never be a country club church. We will always build a root system where seeds can grow and bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. But if we're going to do this, we always, we always come back to heart condition, guys. There is a high cost for following Jesus. Jesus told us, he told his disciples, he tells us, Take up your cross and follow me. Remember? I love this in Luke 9. It says this, and this jumped out to me. He said, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross, when? Daily. And follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He's not saying to carry a cross around and get, go crucify yourself. He's saying it's a condition of the heart, the willingness to be able to lay everything down, to take the crowns that we talked about in Revelation that he puts on your head and lay them right back at his feet. That's the heart condition that he's after. So let's go back to this verse in Luke 9. Then he said to the crowd, did you, do you notice when you read the New Testament, Jesus had a lot of crowds that followed him. But not a lot of disciples. It's a big difference. There's a lot of churches, there's a lot of causes, there's a lot of things that are creating crowds right now. 
Very few disciples. This church is about you being a disciple, which is a follower of Jesus, and an apostle, one who is sent from Jesus. You're following him, you're being sent from him. You're both. Very few disciples that make up the remnant of Jesus Christ. The path to destruction is very wide. The way to Jesus is narrow. And the narrow, the narrow path carries a very high cost. But it's the best path that you and I could ever travel. Amen? I don't, I don't want you to hear this word and be discouraged like, oh man, we got to like whip ourselves and, and be... No, no, no. This is a heart condition. This is being willing to follow him at any price, whatever the price. See, he also pours grace and favor and blessing on you. But he does say, he turned to his first disciples. They were fishing in the boat, you know, doing their nets, whatever. He said, follow me. And they left everything. Everything. I don't want this to discourage you. I want this to encourage you. Because I'm saying the one that we follow, the one who paid the highest price for you, that same Jesus, who for the joy set before him, remember this? That same one who endured the cross, despising the shame, who is now sits exalted at the right hand of the Father, that's the one we follow. So we follow with joy. Circumstance doesn't matter. We have joy. The cost is high sometimes, but the joy is worth it. And I love David's response. I'm not going to offer offerings to the Lord that cost me nothing. But equally, I love the heart of Aruna. This guy gets no airtime. I'm going to give him some airtime here. He's one of those other people in Hebrews 11. His country's in crisis. People are dying all around him, and he's threshing his wheat. He's doing his thing. I love the attitude of a farmer. They're just, they're going to work. They're getting it done. They're dealing with real things that God has created. Seed, I mean, I love that the word of God is related to seed because you can see it tangibly grow if it's put in the right thing, field. So he and his sons, Runa and his sons, they're not hiding in isolation. They're threshing the wheat. And all of a sudden, his king approaches him. And an angel approaches him, and his boys run away. <laughs> he stays there. And the king says, let me buy this threshing floor from you. And immediately, immediately, Aruna says, no, take it. Take it and use it as you wish. And he bows low to the king. And not only that, king, I'm going to give you more than you asked for. Not only that, I'll give you my oxen for the offering. In fact, just burn the threshing floor down. Use that for the wood to start the fire. Use the wheat that I've been carefully um, getting and use that as a grain offering to God. I will give it all to you. That's the heart of Aruna. That should be our heart. I will give it all to you. That's what moves God's heart. I'm not giving you part of my life. I'm giving you everything. And we're in this winnowing season. Don't just wish it away. Jesus is removing the chaff from his bride. He's trying to separate the junk in your heart and let his Holy Spirit, the wind of his spirit, blow it away if you let him. But if you're just gripping on to stuff, and I'm not just talking about tangible things, 
I'm talking about the things that the Spirit's putting on your heart right now. You know what you're holding on to. You know what you're not giving and giving to him fully. And it always comes back to the threshing floor. See, I don't think it was just David's heart that shifted God's heart. I think it was Aruna's heart. I'm going to give you the oxen. I'm going to give you the grain. Just burn the whole place to the ground. Burn it all down for him. Amen? I'll give it all to you. That's what he is asking of you and I tonight. Saying, are you willing to burn it all down for me? To clear the threshing floor. To clear my heart. To burn that worthless chaff away. Take it all, Jesus. See, here's the, here's the thing that's so cool about this story. Years before Aruna had a farm in that spot, years before Jerusalem was built there in that spot, there was a man named Abraham. And Abraham, out of obedience to his God, hiked his son up a mountain called Moriah, tied up his son, put him on an altar, raised the knife, ready to kill his son, because that's what God had told him to do. Crazy, I know. But God was testing his obedience, and he was willing to give it all. And I was thinking that earlier. My daughter was down here kneeling with me when we were in worship. I'm like, am I willing to give it all? My children, my family. God forbid, but am I willing to give it all? And Abraham was. That's the father. That's, we're the children of Abraham. We're grafted into that. God is the God of generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were grafted into the, that tribe. I hope you know how important this is. And Abraham's up on Mount Moriah. He's about to kill his son, and the Lord stops him and provides a sacrifice, a ram in the, in the bushes. And years later, in that very same spot, stood Aruna's threshing floor, Mount Moriah. Jerusalem. Not only that, then 1 Chronicles 3.1 says, David's son Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite, the site that David had selected. Abraham we're standing in that generation, in that tribe. David, the heart of David, that's the heart that God's coming back for. Solomon, his son, completes the work that David started. And he builds the temple on the threshing floor of Aruna. Of course, you know this. You know where I'm going. Where's the temple today? It's you. You are the temple, which is just mind-blowing, that God resides in you if you choose him, that God resides in you. You carry his presence. And as people that live in and around Peoria, that's what Peoria means. The name Peoria means carriers. You carry his presence in your temple because you are the temple. This is the threshing floor. 
your heart is the threshing floor. How's the condition of your threshing floor? Are you willing to burn it all down? Give up all the chaff? Because when you do, that's the moment that his heart moves. That's what he wants most. He wants to give you his heart's, your heart's desires when your desire is fully his. When he becomes your greatest treasure. When you say, like Aruna, I'll give the oxen, I'll give the grain, I'll give the threshing floor, just burn it all down. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. See, there's seeds tonight, I believe, that need to be released into the threshing floor, out of the threshing floor of your heart. I don't know what that looks like for you, but the Spirit of God is telling you right now what needs to be burned down, what needs to be given up so that the seed, his word, can be released in you. You know how powerful his word is, right? Now, like, do you know how powerful his word is? He spoke his word. He spoke everything came to be. Jesus is the word in John 1. He's still speaking. Revelation 5. He speaks and thunder and lightning come from the throne room of God in heaven, changing and creating. He's not done creating. He's still creating. Most of all, he wants to create in here, in his temple, with his presence. That's why success for us is the presence of God and the freedom that he brings. But he won't force himself on you. He created two trees in the garden. He gives us a choice. He's the God of freedom, ultimate freedom. You can choose him or you can walk away from him, but there's no middle ground. You're either all in or you're all out. And that's what he's asking for you tonight. Why don't you close your eyes and just focus on his face right now. See, your heart can run away tonight like Aruna's sons did, or you can stay engaged like Aruna did. It's up to you. He's not going to force you. What needs to be winnowed in your life? What needs to be laid at the feet of Jesus in your life? What chaff needs to be blown away, tossed up in the air with his winnowing fork and blown away? What needs to be given up? I want to invite you down to the altar. The altar is always open. I want to invite you tonight to come back to this God who loves you so much, who chases you down, 
This is for everybody. This is if you, if you know him, if you've been following him for, since Heidi invited you to accept him tonight, or if you've been following him for 50 years. I want to invite you to the threshing floor. If the Spirit of God tells you to move, then move. Don't hold back. Is your heart willing to say, I will not give him something I've gotten for free. I will pay whatever the cost is. Jesus, take everything. Burn it all down. Burn it all down, Jesus. What are you holding on to tonight that needs to be released to him so that he can move in your heart? Your movement ends up moving him. When you shift, that shifts him. You see this? And I'm a big believer that you've got to physically move something in order to shift your heart. It's time. Don't delay when the Spirit tells you what to release. Every single one of us needs to say, God, I will follow you whatever the cost, whatever the price. Whatever it is. I'm not going to stop when people are looking at me funny, when they're persecuting me for following you, for saying your name. I'm not going to be that rocky ground. I'm not going to be choked out by the cares of this world. I'm not going to let the enemy steal from me anymore. Enemy is coming to, to take that seed away, to take that word away. I had to remind myself before I got up here and preached tonight of a word that I've been given three years ago that is so true. Because the enemy is trying to snatch it from me, and he can't have it. He can't have it. Don't let him have it tonight. You're either all in to Jesus or you're all out. There is no middle ground. There is no lukewarmness. I will not give to you, Jesus, what costs me nothing. I will give the grain. I will give the oxen. Burn the threshing floor. I give you everything, God. It's all yours. Not holding anything back. Not holding anything back from you. That's when his heart moves. You want to see a move of God? Move your heart. Scripture says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. 
Father, we're drawing close to you tonight. We're drawing close. God, you see these hearts. You hear these prayers. You can take it all. Our arms, our hands are outstretched to you. Take it all. Burn it down for your glory, your honor. Because you know what? When we do that, you're going to pour out 30, 60, 100 fold for what your desire is for our life. You have better plans for us than we could even think or imagine. We submit fully and completely into your hands tonight, Jesus. We're not afraid of anything. We love you, God. Just let faith rise up in your heart tonight. Because he's doing something. He's, if your heart moved, if your heart shifted, he's doing something. He's moved by that. He's shifted by that. The God of heaven is shifted and moved by your heart. Let him speak to you. Let him move you. Just look into his eyes. Jesus is real, so real. He's right here. And if you look close enough into his eyes, you can see your reflection in him. Because you are a creation that looks exactly like your creator. You are an image bearer of God, his most holy treasure. It's time for you to come back. Shift your heart. Father, would you pour out your grace like Niagara Falls for all these things or whatever they are that everyone's laying down, for all these threshing floors that are cleared out now, would you just fill it with your grace? Never-ending grace. You can have as much of Jesus as you want. <laughs> There's a living fountain within you that never runs dry if you know him. Drink it up. Soak it up. He's madly in love with you. Your father is madly in love with you. Some of you, this day is hard for you because your earthly fathers were not a very good representation of your heavenly father, but your heavenly father is madly in love with you. You need to hear that tonight. You need to receive it tonight. Let that word, let that seed go into good, fertile soil.
because your eyes can see you are blessed. Your ears can hear you are blessed. God, do not stop pouring out your spirit upon us. We want more and more and more of you. We love you because you first loved us. We love you so much, Jesus.